All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Like you said, my name is Chase Durham. I'm the student pastor here at Cottonwood. And um, last night I was reading, um, so I'm about to finish up a family discipleship degree. And I was reading in this book last night, and there was a quote that kind of struck me, and it really applies to kind of this morning. And it said, um, spiritually lethargic parents will produce spiritually lethargic children. And so now remember, my degree is in family ministry, so I'm looking at the relationship between parents and children. And the reason why I think that this applies to you, I realize some of you are parents. We've got um, what was Maverick over here joining us this morning. But some of you aren't. Some of you are married. Some of you aren't. Some of you are grandparents. But when I was thinking about that quote, spiritually lethargic parents will most likely create spiritually lethargic children. I couldn't help but think, man, spiritually lethargic men could create a spiritually lethargic church or workplace or community or home. And so this morning, what I want to do is I, I want to empower you guys to take ownership that, of the mission that Jesus Christ has given all men, not just the pastors, but given all of his children, is to make disciples. And so that's my goal this morning, is that you leave here with a, with a new charge and a new vigor, a reminder that Jesus has told you as a child of God, and especially as a man, to make disciples. So I want to start by reading this story, and most of you are probably familiar with it already. It's about the NASA janitor. Fifty years ago, Neil Armstrong took the one giant leap for mankind. It was the first time a man landed on the moon. It was the final step of a process that began when one leader with a bold idea lit the collective imagination of a 400,000-person organization called NASA. According to a popular legend, during a tour of NASA, a tour of NASA headquarters in 1961, John F. Kennedy encountered a janitor mopping the floors. Why are you working so late? JFK asked. Mr. President, the janitor responded, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Every employee from the astronauts and engineers to the secretaries and interns were so singularly focused, even people who were quite far removed from the famous goal of landing a man on the moon reported feeling an incredible connection to this ultimate goal of putting a man on the moon. Rather than talking about, <clears throat> I'm fixing electrical wiring, or I'm stitching spacesuits, or I'm mopping the floors, they would actually identify their work as, I'm putting a man on the moon. Now, we don't all work for NASA. Some of us, like I said, are, are husbands. We we're married. Some of us are grandparents. Some of us are dads. Some of us are just single dudes serving our community. None of us, I don't think, maybe Super Dave, but I don't think he's joining us, our children's pastor, none of us have the task of putting a man on the moon. But we all, if you are a child of God, are playing a part in something even bigger than putting a man on the moon. We've all been commissioned by Jesus himself. Matthew 28, 19-20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So just like a NASA employee's job is to put a man on the moon, from janitor 
to engineer to astronaut. Our job as a Christian and our singular focus should be I am making disciples. Whether you are the janitor of the church or the preacher of the church, whether you're the guy parking cars on a Sunday morning or you are holding the door, it is your job not just to hold a door, it is your job to make disciples. Think about the context of your workplace. Some of you might be thinking, well, Chase, like I'm, I don't own my own company. I'm not a supervisor. I, I don't have any influence. I'm just, I'm just a pencil pusher. I just do what I do. No, no, no. You have been placed by God to fulfill the mission of God. I am making disciples. But Chase, you, you don't understand. Like I'm not as articulate or, or, or well-versed in the Bible as you are. Like I have trouble sharing the gospel with people. Jesus still commanded you. But Chase, you don't understand. Like you and Pastor John Mark, you're just so much better at teaching people the Bible. But Matthew 28 still applies to you. The mission is the same from pulpit to pew. It is to make disciples. And so if you have this mindset that it's just up to John Mark, it's just up to guys like Chase. Oh, I just hit the microphone. They're going to hate that on the recording. If, if it's up to Hill House, if, they're up to, if it's just up to Frazier, like they're, they're the ones that take care of all the spiritual things. Like I'm just going to come. I'm going to give my money. I'm going to be a great church member, but, but, but I'm not going to do the ministry myself. If, if that's you, you're missing what Jesus has called you to do as a child of God, and that's to make disciples. You need to realize that not everyone in NASA was supposed to be the astronaut, just like not everyone in the church is supposed to be the preacher, but everyone in NASA had the same singular focus to put a man on the moon. And so imagine if this church, if the people of this church, the men of this church had the same singular focus as the staff that it is my job to make disciples, whether it's holding a door, whether it's getting a U-Haul and suffering through a lunch with Justin Hillhouse, whatever it is, realizing that it is my job to make disciples. I want to read to you guys Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. I want you to see our responsibility as your pastors to equip you to be able to make disciples. It says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So like I said, so many times the people in the pews have the misconception that ministry is just the job of those on stage. But according to this verse, it's not just the church's staff to be the ones to make disciples. It's not just the church's staff to lead worship and to help with the church service and to plan mission trips and to plan fellowships. It's not just up to the church staff to do these things. But according to this passage, the shepherds and teachers, the me and the Hillhouse and the Fraser and John Marks are supposed to equip you guys to do the work of ministry. When you think about sphere of influence, your neighbors are your neighbors. They're not my neighbors. I have no influence over your neighbors. They don't know me, but they know you. They see you serve them. They, they have a respect for you. It's all about this fear of influence. And so our job is not just to do all the ministry from the pulpit. 
But our job is to empower you in the pews to do ministry in your neighborhoods, at your workplaces, and in your homes. Remember that opening quote that I read. Spiritually lethargic parents will most likely create spiritually lethargic children. So let's translate that. Spiritually lethargic men might create spiritually lethargic families, households, workplaces, churches. Because Jesus has instructed us, not suggested to us, but instructed us that it is your job, it is my job to make disciples. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-20, Paul also writes this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He gave anyone in Christ the ministry of reconciliation. Not just the dudes on the stage. He gave the dudes in the pews the ministry of reconciliation. Ambassadors for Christ. And, and now you may be thinking, but, but, but Chase, like, I, I work from home. I literally don't interact with anyone. Like, I, I don't have influence. I, like, I just got social media, but I only have 10 followers, and five of them are my elderly mom who keeps forgetting her password and creating new accounts and refollowing me. Like, I don't have influence. Like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to be this ambassador for Christ. I don't understand who I'm supposed to be, be reconciling to the Lord. But I want you to realize that even if you're not the CEO of a company, even if you don't have a team working for you, you still have influence. If you're a grandparent, you have influence over your grandchild. If you're a husband, you have influence over your wife. If you live in a community, an apartment, in a neighborhood, you have influence over your neighbors around you. You have more influence than you may think. So often we think, Man, it's just like guys like John Mark that have the influence, that have the huge followings. He, he leads a church of thousands and thousands of people. Like, it's dudes like that that make a difference. And he does. But it's dudes like you that the Lord has also called to make the difference. It's our job. It's my job to make disciples. Some of us will influence the masses. Some of us will get up. Some of us will be the CEOs and we, we lead our companies in a Christian manner. But some of us, we just lead the few. But the Lord's using you and the Lord's commanded you, whether you're leading the masses or you're leading the handful, to be faithful in making disciples. Now, before we move on from 2 Corinthians, I, I want to dive in a little bit more to verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Guys, you are a new creation with a new mission. And your new mission is it is my job to make disciples. Your salvation is not just about yourself. You were saved to be a blessing to others. 
Your faith is personal, but it is not private. There is this common false belief that a disciple or or a mature disciple of Jesus is just someone who knows a lot about the Bible. That's not all it is to be a mature disciple of Christ. Here's how I define what what a biblical mature disciple of Christ is. You ready? It's from Matthew 4.19. Three things. A disciple is someone who first follows Jesus. You believe in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Secondly, a disciple is someone who is being transformed by Jesus. This is the daily habits, the spiritual disciplines, coming to the men's Bible study and and going to church on Sundays and belonging to a life group, the daily habits that help cultivate and foster a relationship with the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. And that's oftentimes where we stop. We think, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in this whole discipleship thing. Like, I'm going to church. I wake up at 6 o'clock. I go to the Bible study. I'm in a life group. Like, okay, I'm doing pretty good. But here's the third part of what it is to be a mature disciple, to be a fisher of men. That's from Matthew 4.19, where Jesus looks to the, men, the disciples. He says, hey, follow me, and I will make you fishers of of men. Jesus didn't just lead guys to a Starbucks and to a Bible study. Jesus led guys into the marketplace to go and tell them that the kingdom of God is here. That's that's what discipleship is. And so don't stop at point two of being a disciple. Become a fisher of men. For some of you guys, we need to be fishing for men in our own households. Maybe we have unbelieving children, unbelieving grandchildren, Maybe even an unbelieving spouse. I don't don't know. Some of us need to be fishing for men at our workplaces. Some of us need to be fishing for men at Trader Joe's when we go grocery shopping. Some of us, wherever it is, we need to be fishing for men. And so, thinking about Ephesians 4, how it's my job as a shepherd of you to equip you for the work of ministry. I want to help you take ownership of the new mission in your new life in Christ, that it is my job, it is your job, it is our job to make disciples. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Church family, your salvation is from God and it is for God. He gave us The ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation implies that it is my job to make disciples. Not just John Mark's. Not just mine. It's yours. It's ours. It is my job to make disciples. If you deny this new mission of your life, then you're being disobedient to God. Like I said, when I read the Great Commission, Jesus didn't say, hey, when it's convenient... And when you feel like it or when it can fit into your schedule or, or after you go to seminary, then make disciples. No, 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 no. Believe in Jesus and then make disciples. Now, let's go back to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians church. I want to read this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Let's remember back to our NASA story. John F. Kennedy encountered a janitor mopping the floors. Why are you working so late? JFK asked. Mr. President, the janitor responded, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Every employee, from the astronauts and engineers to the secretaries and interns, were so singularly focused that even people who were quite far removed from the famous goal of landing a man on the moon reported a feeling of an incredible connection to the ultimate goal of putting a man on the moon. Rather than talking about, I'm fixing electrical wiring, or I'm just stitching spacesuits, or I'm just mopping the floors, they would actually identify their works as, I'm putting a man on the moon. Now imagine with me, guys. Imagine if every church member was singularly focused to the mission of the church. It is my job to make disciples. It's my job to make disciples out of my kids. It's my job to wash my wife in the Word of God. It's my job to serve this church. Imagine if everyone identified their work as, I'm making disciples. According to 1 Corinthians, it doesn't matter if you are parking cars or preaching the sermon, we are all a necessary part of the body. We all need one another to accomplish the mission of making disciples. So here's the challenge. If you are the NASA janitor, are you going to leave here saying, I'm just a janitor? Or are you going to leave here saying, it's my job to put a man on the moon? Are you going to leave here saying, I'm just a door greeter on Sundays? Or are you going to leave here saying, it is my job to make disciples by holding this door? Are you going to leave here saying, I'm just a dad, I'm just a husband, I'm just a grandfather, I'm just a co-worker? Or are you going to leave here saying, it is my job to make disciples? Now, putting conspiracy theories aside, NASA, America, was the first country to put a man on the moon. They did the impossible. No one was sure it could be done, but they did it largely because the whole organization had the singular focus of I'm putting a man on the moon. 400,000 men and women from secretary to astronaut had the same vision, had the same mission, whether they're stitching spacesuits or getting in the cockpit of of a shuttle. It was their job to put a man on the moon. 
Imagine if the church had this kind of singular focus from the pulpit to the pew of it is my job to make disciples. Last night when I was sharing that I was reading and working on my uh, schoolwork, I read some heartbreaking stats. It said, six out of ten teenagers will leave the faith. One in two Christian marriages will end in divorce. The church is declining because the amount of people denying religion is on the rise. If we had the singular focus of I'm making disciples, I can't help but think that we would fight those statistics. That the six out of ten teenagers leaving the faith would be reduced to two or three teenagers who leave the faith. I can't help but think that more Christian marriages would thrive and flourish. I can't help but think that more men and women would be be coming to the Lord instead of running away from the Lord. But it all takes every person of the organization with the same mission that it is my job to make disciples. Whether you're an intern at a company or the CEO of a company, whether you're a dad or a husband or a grandfather, realizing that it is my job to make disciples. And I think that when every person has that mentality, that mindset of the the new mission that Christ has given them in their new life, I think we could finally attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So like Paul, or like Paul was talking about, In Ephesians 4, we must work until that work is done, that we must work until the unity of faith is accomplished. And and when I look around, there's still a lot of work to do, guys. And John Mark can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. The person in the pulpit cannot do it alone. The church staff cannot do it alone. They're not supposed to do it alone. It's our job to make disciples. So men, let's get to work in our homes. Let's get to work in our workplaces and let's get to work in the church. Let's pray, guys. Father, I thank you for your word. Because Lord, to be honest, it's easy to to just kind of be comfortable in a rhythm of attending church and Bible studies and life groups and and just kind of stop there and just kind of get comfortable and and neglect the part of being a fisher for men. But Lord, I pray that this morning, everyone on Zoom and everyone in this room, that we would all leave here with a reminder that it is our mission, it is my mission to make disciples. It's not just John Mark, it's not just Chase, it's not just Hillhouse or Frazier, it is my mission. Whether I'm parking cars on a Sunday morning or whether I'm preaching a sermon in my life group, it is my job to make disciples. Lord, help us to understand that and be obedient to that. Lord, compel us. Move us into action. We need you, God. It's in your Son's name, by the Spirit we pray. Amen Amen. and amen.